0: everyone this is tractor and welcome to the Mill Soft, gel ball gel soft everything else well we could call it the soft ops podcast today so i've got myself a little guest g'day guest
1: g'day i'm Trent from soft ops
0: that's exciting <laughs> let's get some music So we've known each other for a little while now, Trent, haven't we?
1: Yeah, we have. Um, pretty sure... About 18 was, months? Yeah, I think this was one of the first or second places I came out to actually play Jalba at.
0: Yeah, and we like stabbed you straight away. Go and, <laughs> go and run things.
1: Yeah, yeah, I remember that. It's uh, so a three it the a three-gun? Yeah, well, it was three-gun. We were, we played around with that. And then I think the next one I was hanging around at was the, I think the Anzac Day games, or like that weekend yep. of, of games. And I came out and did some reffing for that as well, which was uh, pretty fun.
0: Yeah, reffing's different, isn't it?
1: It is. It is. It's
0: not for everyone.
1: No, it's not. But look, it's, uh, I think uh, for me, I had a bit of background in paintball repping as well. So yeah. it was really fun. And that was in the days of uh, the temp setups on the field as well.
0: Yeah. Well, I've talked to a few people about that lately. They, they remember it, but they go, oh, yeah, that was so long ago. <laughs> it
1: really wasn't, though, was it? No. Yeah.
0: I had a, um, a memory pop up yesterday on my Facebook feed. Yeah of the first game we ever played here just over two years ago, and it was all inflatables. Wow. And um, Dan, Stacy, yeah. a whole bunch of guys from the industry were the first ones there. Um, some of the guys from ComSim's and whatnot. So, yeah, we've, uh, we've come a long way from a few blow-ups on a rugby field.
1: Nice. Yeah, now, look, and there's fields popping up everywhere as well now, which is... Do strange. you know offhand how many fields there are in Queensland, at least? Uh, I actually don't know. I remember that it's actually starting to get to a pretty ludicrous number. it's over 20, isn't it? Um, Yeah, yeah. It's easily 30 plus. The trouble is, um, like, there's a lot of fields that we, I think, we all know about. We can, you know, you can find them on the app and then you might even find some on Facebook that aren't Mm. in the app. Uh, But then there's a lot of, I wouldn't say underground, but there's stuff that's going on that people don't know about. And I think sometimes it's people building up a new presence in a new space. Mm -hmm. Uh, And other times it's private fields and whatnot as well. So, yeah, there's a lot that you can see, but there's a lot that you can't see as well.
0: Yeah, there's two of the guys that have started refing here recently. They play at what they call a private field. Yeah, um, it's just them and their mates, but it's well set up. They've sent me photos of it, and they're like, "Oh, you should come out." And they play there every Sunday. Yeah, but then they come and ref with us, and don't like they do play a little, but it's, yeah, it's different.
1: It is. It is a lot different. And I think. Look, I think. Um, I think a lot of guys and. In- really enjoy, after being around for a while anyway, I really enjoy kind of those private setups. Sometimes it's a field, sometimes it's just sessions because you can Mm. really start to play around with rules and different games and all sorts of stuff that you just want to do with mates, which is pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and there's some freedom to do stuff with your mates that you could never do in a public field.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. And
0: obviously we've talked offline about insurance and all that stuff. Um, I I don't need (laughs) to go there. Everyone knows how I feel about insurance. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, we don't need to go there. But, um, yeah, a lot of the... The first fields are still around. We've still got Dennis at Mango Hill. We've still got Francis. We've still yep. got Brent. Yeah. Um, Tech Edge has still got fingers in. Yeah, of course. Um,
1: the evolution, like, look, honestly, yeah, the evolution has been really, really interesting to watch. Mm. Um, you know, in uh, I remember my early days and, and kind of what led me to creating that and all that sort of stuff is, you know, I poked around a lot on Facebook. That was like back then, that was the only way to find fields, right? Yep. It was search. Ever on Facebook, <laughs> trying to get into every group that you can find, and and uh, find out where all these fields are, and then trying to assess, you know, is that a safe place to play? Like, is that a, yeah. you know, is that where you want to get involved in? But the, the first things that came up was here, so Milsum East yeah. uh, and Nuketown were the big ones. Yeah. Um, and I think eventually I figured out that Spec Ops was a thing as well, and uh, Gorilla Blasters. I remember they were they were basically the the major ones that would pop up. Yeah, Morgan's had a real evolution hasn't he absolutely Uh, and seeing that now they just recently they added that second second the second level yeah yeah, which is crazy i'm jealous as of that (laughs) (laughs) That that's very very cool
0: yeah and look he's he's gone all the way from like the first speedball comps in a backyard corner yeah thing to one of the most prominent fields in southeast queensland
1: yeah absolutely i think look and they're just so recognizable i think you know everyone Everyone that I know usually plays there at least once, right? Yeah. And yeah. they're just so well-established. They've got a great little community down there and everything as well. And it's just such a unique spot. Mm. Uh, you know, you, you can't really go anywhere else to experience that particular setup. No. Uh, at the a- moment.
0: And the second that anyone talks to me about worried about low FPS, um, <laughs> I'll just go, go and see Morgan. Yeah. But seriously, yeah. if you want to run high, yeah, go you play high, get there. over there, have a crack at it. Absolutely. Um,
1: it like I'm not going to take a 12 year old kid there, but hey, if they're tough, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a certain crowd, and I think, um, yeah, you know, I talked to a few people about not just FPS, but in general, I think it, you've got to try. Honestly, you've got to try everything once, yeah, uh, before you know yeah. passing that judgment and saying, you know, oh, I'm never going to play speak QB or I'm never going to do milsim. It's like get out there and try it because honestly, all of the, I think the you get to remember the entire hobby and industry is built around all of these things. Mm. It it is all tied together. And surprisingly, a lot of it is is extremely similar.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Look, a lot of people close to me complain to me and say, you don't self-promote enough. You don't push what you do. And I'm forever going, go everywhere. Get on soft ops. And you know, I'm always tagging soft ops in something. thank you. And it's because people need to try everything to find what they want. Like, if you want to play ball sports, you don't go go and play basketball. Yeah, nothing at else. This <laughs> at this field and never go anywhere else. And yeah. that's
1: what it's like for me. It's like get out
0: and enjoy.
1: Yeah. And it's funny, right? Like we've got um, I'm involved with a pretty active Discord community as well. And you know, so, yeah, you, I can't do this. I did Discord for a little while. I can't do it. It's uh it look, it's an interesting creature on its own, to be honest. But um you know, there's some pretty funny conversation in there, you know, guys, you know, hanging it on each other about, oh, you know, you're a speed QB and all this yep. sort of stuff. But I think a lot of them do recognize that um, each each kind of niche within our niche, they mm. everyone has something that you can easily learn from each other. You know, you watch guys that play speed QB a lot, or that that format, and you'll find, for me anyway, those guys communicate and coordinate more than any Milsim team that I see out there, right? Because they have
0: to. We'll look at um, Cathy's field. Yeah. The, the speed QB guys dominate in a CQB yes. indoor
1: environment. Yes, exactly. Um, and then, you know, on the flip side, there's, there's a lot of stuff that I see some of those guys that play a lot, of the middle, uh, sorry, a lot of the speedball stuff then come along and they, you know, try and learn some of the CQB tactics and they realise hey, there's a little bit of a gap and I think it's anyone that starts to become a master of all of that is just going to dominate on the field. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. It, it was really interesting when we ran the first speedball comp here because yeah. we'd been away from speedball for so long and we've literally put that speedball field into the middle of the junkyard and yeah. people play it on a weekend. Yeah, Like the refs just go, all right, we're going to do speedball now and the mill are going, <laughs> having a little conniption, <laughs> but then they do it and they go, yeah. I can see that now.
1: Yeah, yeah. And how did you find that? How did you find running that... that that first speed, speedball stuff in a while.
0: To be honest, Damo did yeah. 99.999% of the work and yeah. I just stood there and <laughs> said, thanks for the money. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and enough. then handed that to Wounded Heroes. But it, it was a steep learning curve on some of the rules and yeah. the, the way to get players motivated to be there at the right time and time management. Yeah. He has got that nailed. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and that's, that's something I want to learn from. And um, we're doing another one in January that's just been announced today. Awesome. So jump on the AGBL, Australian Job Blaster Sports, whatever we're calling it this (laughs) week.
1: We've renamed it like twice. There is a page. There is a page. I've seen
0: it. I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So when we first met and I sent you a friend request on Facebook, I noticed we had a mutual friend. That uh, told me a little bit about your past. What's the, uh, tell us about that, or tell the public about that.
1: Yeah, right. Um, So, look, yeah, not a lot of people know this, but I, prior to this whole life here, (laughs) um, when I left high school, I actually went straight into the Australian Defence Force Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those of you that don't know, it's a method of entry into the Defence Force that lets you pair up officer training with a degree, right? Yeah. So, which is really, really good, right? For those that kind of haven't quite figured it out yet and want to make sure that at least at least if they leave the ADF at some point, um, you know, they got a degree and can move on to things. It's, it's a really good setup. Um, but yeah, so I went into that and, uh, you know, through various means, my... Uh, our mutual friend was my division sergeant, which was a uh, yep. uh, very small world. <laughs> and uh, yeah,
0: we were instructors together before
1: that. Yeah. So. Um, and you know, from there, I actually made a decision to move from the Defence Force Academy straight over to RMC. So, mm-hmm. for, you know, for various reasons, I wanted to skip the uh, the degree at that time. And unfortunately, look, I ended up with a, a an injury that which, which saw me. Uh, well, I Separate. ended up with a yeah, yeah, I got a medical discharge over time. And so, yeah, that that really sucked. But you know, it is what it is. It's it's one of those things where, for me, you know, when I when I came out, I always wanted to go back in, right? I've always mm-hmm. I've been trying in various methods over time to try and get back in, um, because there, there's something about, uh, you know, for those that haven't been in the defence force, there's absolutely something about the camaraderie in that it's 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 yeah. so hard to explain until you've you've been there and you've had a good time with your mates, uh, to be honest.
0: And those of you that are IRs out there you might be hacking on that. I oh, just did a bit of officer training. Yeah. But having gone from Kapuka as an RI myself and then worked at RMC as a, a senior NCO and done drilly work, they do everything you do at Kapuka first. Yeah. So everything an OR learns at Kapuka, they've done as well, except we throw rank at <laughs> you and go, you're the section commander now. You're the CSM yeah. now. So, yeah. You, you, you've done Kapuka as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> fair
1: enough, fair you enough. You probably can't march, but... Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Um, how'd you find the transition out to the real world through a medical discharge? I really, really struggled with that myself.
1: Uh, yeah. So I guess, look, to so a little bit deeper in, into essentially what happened for me, um, when I was at RMC, I, or when I, when I was in that transition from the Defence Force Academy to RMC, I had a, an injury to my ankle, which was like, I mean, it was a serious injury, but nothing major, right? Mm-hmm. And when I got, you know, part of the way through the training um, at RMC, at some point the, the the medical officer kind of pulled me back and said, hey, look, you've been looking closer at your ankle and we want to do some more tests. And they figured out that there was a defect on, on one of my bones. Um, and then as a part of that, they offered, they said, look, to get back into duty, you're going to have to get surgery done. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I waited around for six months or so to get that surgery and then... Um, in RMC, you know, you got the six month cycle for each yeah. each uh, uh, class to start, and so we got to the end of that six months. I hadn't had the surgery yet, mm. and they turned around and said, "You know what? You can just go back." And yeah, and <laughs> it was, dude, it was mind blowing. And it, yeah. unfortunately for me at the time, look, I just wasn't in the mental state for it. I just said, "Yeah, look, going that's, from the op tempo of nothing back yeah, right into training, exactly." And then in a twelve month window, that's like three batches of some yeah. pretty intense, you yeah. know, initial training. So. That's when I withdrew. So, and when I say I was medically discharged, it was the part that I've struggled with. Uh, there were two things, and one was that when I left, they they said I was actually fit for duty. So I only discovered that I had a medical discharge when I applied to reenter, and they said, no, "No, no, you've had a medical discharge, so you can't come back." <laughs> um, Got so, to love paperwork. Yeah, so you can probably imagine the frustration with that. But yeah. um, then, as a part of that, look, the transition it was it was a bit of an interesting one for me. Look, you know, I think fortunately. You know unlike I know a lot of people have struggled with that transition but mm-hmm. but for me because I'd gone through training and you know that sort of stuff and but I hadn't been in for too long and it was still I mean let's face it like that's like twelve to eighteen months out of school. Yeah. So it's kind of like a gap year, right? So for me it was okay. But mm-hmm. what I I think what I struggled with later on was not being able to get back in. Yeah. Because in in my head that was always the plan. Um you know one of the one of the discussions that I'd had when I was when I was applying for my uh to to leave I'd actually said I have every intent of reapplying, but after having seen um, in some sense, you know, some of what was going on with the training and uh, the way that we kind of go through that as people that are fresh out of school, I'd said to them, I said, I just feel like I don't have the life experience to be Uh able to, you know, within a matter of two years, be leading people that are far more senior than me in terms of age and life experience, you know, into life and death situations, that just makes no sense to me. So I wanted to basically go get that life experience and then and go back in. But, yeah, as I said, just haven't been able to do that. A,
0: a funny story, like the opposite side to that, when I got out I went and joined the Air Force cadets as a staff member. Yeah. Um, and I was involved in the, the national training of their new staff. So yeah. they would recruit um, a faux officer. Yeah. Like they'd get some guy off the street and go, All right, we need to give them the basics to be an officer or an airman. And I was tasked with doing some of the officer training. And a squadron leader came in, which was a major in the army, and went, you can't teach officers. You're just a senior NCO, da, da, da. And I went, oh, good Lord. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> Look, she is a really good friend of mine now, but... Yeah. Um, having not come from that environment, they didn't understand the interplay that Australians have between senior NCOs and junior officers, yeah. which is exactly what you're talking about. It, it's daunting from the junior officer's side and it's frustrating from the senior NCO side. But, yeah. but it is this this hold back to the blue collar, white collar, fifteen hundreds. <laughs> yeah.
1: Like the yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty crazy, man.
0: Look, I, I had a mate of mine. We were both corporals at Kapooka. Um, And she said, that's it, I'm going RMC.
1: Yeah.
0: And I said, so you're a full corporal, you've been in X amount of years, we've been in the same amount of time. I said, I'm going to do ASWOCs. She goes, what's ASWOCs? So I explained the concept to her. So once you're a senior NCO, you can apply for a commission in your trade, essentially. And I said, I'll race you in a major. She (laughs) went, what? I said, all right, you're going to spend the next 18 months at RMC. You're going to walk out of there a boggy LT. I'm going to wait until I do my sergeant's courses which i had one more to go and six months after that i'm going to as i'm going to be a captain <laughs> no i won't be able to get command straight away yeah. but i'll be able to but do the there. same job i'm doing now yeah. at a much senior level and four years after that i'll be a major and you'll be getting captains she went i hate you <laughs> but she had the chance to actually command which is different.
1: yeah yeah absolutely
0: uh, and anyone that knows my views on Angus Campbell knows what I feel about officers in command, but we're not going there today. It's an interesting place. It is, it is. It's, um, it's interesting. So I suppose the other thing that I like to talk to about people that have been in defence, mm. um, a lot of people bandy around the word veteran. Mm. And I used to get super, super uncomfortable with the use of the word veteran for somebody
1: in your position.
0: Yes. What, what's your opinion on that? Do you, like if somebody goes, hey, you're
1: a veteran, do yeah. you get uncomfortable? Honestly, I do. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a that's a personal yeah. thing for me. Um, one of the, you know, actually... I, I
0: tied it to warlike service myself. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, actually, so it, it's funny because there was another podcast I was in recently uh, where I was referred to as, as a veteran. I didn't say anything at the time, right? Yeah. Um, but it actually made me think about it. And it's one of those things where, for me, I'm careful about talking about it because... Mm-hmm whilst for me it's a personal thing it makes me uncomfortable because for me I feel as though look I mean as you said you know people can look that saying, oh you did a bit of training right yeah, yeah. Um, but at the same time there's quite possibly a number of people that are in my or well, that have been through a similar path um, but uh, under a very different set of circumstances and, and by all means you know you may see that as a veteran yeah. but as you say they may not have you know been on the 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 path through war but mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason whether it's a serious injury or something else yeah um that's that's what i'm really careful about is that even though yeah the, the circumstances for me i don't i don't particularly like the term yeah um but yeah at the same time there's 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 a, there's so many angles i think yeah. you know to to serving in the military uh yeah. that that a lot of people don't think about or consider because of that traditional view yeah absolutely see i
0: both of my operational deployments were to East Timor. Yeah, the first one was on paper. It was warlike service, but it was Interfet. Yeah, um, and I don't see that the same way as the guys that went to Iraq and Afghanistan. Yeah, yet those guys will often say to me, "Hey, I wouldn't have liked to have been there," and I'm like, "You're shitting me, right?" Like, <laughs> we did peacekeeping, man. You were getting yeah. mortared every day here. Yeah, and and. I've since been able to break down some of those bridges in my own mind and go, well, there are other perspectives on this. I'm still not mm. 100% comfortable with the use of the word veteran all the time. Yeah. Um, but I certainly look back at the guys that were my senior NCOs in 1994. Mm. Um, those guys watched Somalia and Rwanda happen, never got a Guernsey. Yeah. They might have been in since 1980. Yeah. Nothing operationally happened bar Western Sahara and just because they were in at that time in their life yeah. was the only reason they didn't see operational service. So and then not to
1: refer to that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's discounting hard. an entire... It's yeah. hard.
0: Like, um, what was it I used to say to people? If you play for um, the Queensland Reds yep. and you sit on the bench for the premiership, mm-hmm. did you play in the premiership?
1: Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: Just because you didn't, you got picked for the team. You nearly got to go. Yeah. Yeah. You did all the training. You did everything else. Everyone else did. You were there. You were mm. ready to go. And that's sort of how I look at it now. Mm.
1: And it's, I think that's probably a perfect analogy to be honest. Because I think as an individual, right, it, and it's the same thing as an individual. Uh, those guys sitting on the bench probably feel like they didn't play, like a lot of yeah. the time, right? Yeah. They didn't feel like they didn't play. But when you look at the the overall picture, the point is that you have a highly trained and highly effective team, and the point of the guys on the bench isn't just, I oh, we'll pull them up, you know, if someone gets injured. It's like you have a, a team, a composition of a team, yeah. and you use whatever's appropriate to win that particular match. Yeah. So, it's they're absolutely part of the team if you look at it from that point of view. If I have a box full of spanners,
0: yeah. I don't throw away the 15 mil because I don't think I'm going to use it in the next week. Exactly. I keep that in my toolbox. Because you
1: know you'll need it eventually. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about something lighter. Where are you playing lately? Where am I playing lately? um look i have regular fields so that's a it's a mixed question play a bit everywhere yeah i I do i try to play a bit everywhere but i've also got kind of my regular fields I hit up right like i mean a lot of my social media is pretty much covered in it where it's you know spec ops it's here it's out at uh at hardcore as well um and look the reason for that is i think and probably for a lot of people as well is like it's when you get a limited amount of time you want to go somewhere you know you're gonna have you know you're gonna get what you're looking for right yeah it's like going to Macca's. Yeah, if you want yeah. a Big Mac, you know, you're going to get one. Exactly, exactly. But you know, I've been talking to my guys. Um, you know, the guys that I regularly play with, and and I know that there's some really good experiences on the on the south side and all that sort of stuff as well. It's just travel yep. time. So yeah, yeah. But my regulars are basically in this area. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Cool. Um, have you thought about traveling to
1: South Australia to play? That's a really well. Actually, it's a good question because I know I know before all this. Mm. uh you know these interesting changes that they came up um before <laughs> yeah, all that we, happened we don't have to cover that yeah. <laughs> everyone else has talked about it but more than enough yeah but look honestly before all that absolutely um you know there was a lot of talk uh, especially because you know because of what I'm doing with the app and stuff there we we're looking at really interesting ways to try to en- actually encourage that travel between mm-hmm. um between states and between fields and all sorts of stuff as well because there's a lot of fun stuff we could have done um and I know that you know the the battle for waterloo down there they that field looks amazing, yep. right? Um, and I've always wanted to get down there and try that. And yeah. I'm so pissed that Mitch Rockman's field fell over. Which one? Which one's that? The um, I can't remember the name
0: of the field, but yeah. I, I watched him build that from scratch. Yeah. and then it fell over because of all the police stuff.
1: Yeah, it's
0: look. He had such a good
1: yeah. feeling about that field. Yeah, it's look. It's uh, it's so sad. Honestly, the way things have played out. With yeah. with that entire situation, um, uh, I don't even know where to start. To to be perfectly honest, mm. um, you know, I I had a bit of a chat about it uh, on another podcast, but it's it's just one of those things where, look, there's a lot of emotion, you yeah. know, yeah from 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 the community's point of view, from retailers, from field operators, from people whose lives like you know livelihoods are on the line. Mm. A lot of emotion behind it. Um, but when you kind of unpack it and and look at the situation, there's I think ultimately, and this is what I said, I've said previously, ultimately it was a very um, a poorly informed decision made it a very, very bad time, hmm. right? Because you know, what we're talking about here is, so ultimately someone has decided, okay, we, we, need to, you know, we need to have weapons license, whatever it is that we need to have. Yeah. Um, and because of that decision, it then puts everyone in a very difficult position to say, well, when do we let everyone know? Yeah. Right, because we know that if they were to let retailers know in advance, they're going to offload their stock as quickly as possible mm-hmm. with no fair warning to the to the customers. Well, some people will, right? Yeah. Um. Whereas on the, you know, and then on the flip side, which is unfortunately the way they went about it, is they've just made the decision overnight and suddenly, yeah. But yeah,
0: w- one of the examples I know is a guy that was retailing both in South Australia and Queensland. Yeah. And made the decision to cut away his Queensland operations and moved everything there, South Australia, about a month before this. Um, and although me and him don't see eye to eye, I yeah. really feel for yeah. that guy's business because there's nothing that he did that just... Yeah, that caused it. ...caused that.
1: Yeah, it's completely out of someone's control yeah. in, in that situation. And,
0: and I've said it before, I was looking at going to Black Sheep. Mm. I was talking to the police down there trying to say these are the blasters I want to bring, Mm. just tell me no. If there's blasters on here you don't want to bring, just say no and I'll bring the other ones. Mm. Um, And the political answers I was getting from them said to me, there's more to this. There is something going on in the background here. Because they're they're not saying, oh, yes or no, or we'll look at it. It's just we can't talk about this at this time. Yeah,
1: and that doesn't help at all.
0: No, especially, like, I've worked for the federal government and you know what that means. (laughs) That means we're going to fuck you up. Yeah um hpa is the other thing i want to talk to you about you're a big fan
1: yeah man yeah um look uh hpa is it's it's a funny thing like i know there's been a lot of uh controversial kind of conversation around is it legal you know all this sort of stuff i Mm -hmm. I do know that um you know for example sorry what what led me to pull the trigger on on getting a hpa system is i'd I'd have conversations um with francis at SpecOps and because the whole thing was like, I didn't want to go and drop all that money on something that obviously A isn't isn't legal, mm-hmm. uh, but B is like, there's no point in getting something if either a field operator is not going to let me use it, or B if it's going to put if it's going to jeopardize that field, right? If anyone was to shop and say, yo, this is this, this is not legal, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so i Dad actually had a conversation with him, and he'd said, look, he's got the back and forth emails saying, yeah, it's completely fine, yeah. um, and and that's what you know that's part of what led me to pulling the trigger. But the other thing was uh, it's just the sheer performance that comes out of it. Um, you know, mm. for, for me, you, you can't beat that instant
0: trigger response.
1: No, you can't. And and look, I know uh, as as many people say, oh, you know, you can build a DSG, you, know, you can use it, you can do it with a MOSFET, and yeah, so you on. You can pre cock, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not look, the same. Exactly. Look, there's a lot of stuff you can do, but the the amount of time, money, and effort that you'll put into building an, an electric blaster to do that, mm. um, to me, doesn't add up. Uh, yeah. And I know that there's a lot of maintenance that comes with it. Whereas, mm. you know, the HPA stuff, there was only one problem that we've had. Uh, and most people eventually get past it, and it's just something as simple as the the nozzle rubber slips off, right? So it yeah. comes off the glue. Um, so some people have found a, a hacky solution to that, and some of us have figured out a better way to do it. Yeah. So, you know, th- there is that, that whole component to it. But um, one of the things, you know, I've spoken to a lot of people that I play with is, for me, I'm looking for something as close to a simulation blaster as we can get. Mm-hmm. And at the moment, HPA delivers that as closely as possible with some give or take um and you know it's to me it's just a lot more enjoyable a hell of a lot more enjoyable than if somebody offered a gas powered
0: or co2 or green gas powered magazine contained option for a gas operated blaster yeah that didn't have the tube on it would that change things again for you
1: absolutely absolutely look um, in the the other sport that we all want, um, that is that <laughs> you can is say airsoft on yeah. you. <laughs> about forty yeah. percent of my listeners aren't Australians. So. Oh, awesome! All right. Yeah. So, look, yeah, look in, in the airsoft world, um, gas blowback rifles—that is the dream. Um, and I'm really annoyed because recently uh, I stumbled across a Japanese channel that on on YouTube where this dude—they're uh, running around in a I think it, they call it—I oh, forgot what they call it. it. It's got some weird name. But it's, it's a park over there where they're playing airsoft. Mm-hmm. And this guy and, and the guys that he runs with, they only run gas blowbacks. And it is, honestly, you watch it, you're know, like, that is everything you want. Um, you know, the, the, the kind of the realistic functionality of it, but also, you know, the other component, uh, component to it, to me is that limited mag magazine capacity. Um, yeah, a lot of
0: people don't like the idea of a limited, ma- like yeah. the Mac 11 came out at M4A1. Yeah. And one of the first things I heard people complain about was it's only got 30 or 40 rounds. And I'm like, What?
1: Yeah. Well, what's the problem
0: with <laughs> yeah. that? That's 30 or 40 kills, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah.
1: Or at least 20. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's a funny thing. Look, the, it, you know, watching the, um, I think the comparison between gameplay, right? Like we've got to think about the evolution of of job Blasters, both as a technology and what we're using, but also the hobby, right? Yeah. And, and we know, like, again, we are talking early days, right? <laughs> um, you know, about 18 months ago, it's, you know, it's everyone just, we magged up, right? It's full auto, it's accuracy through volume, um, and, and even then, you know, the semi-auto on most stuff just wasn't reliable. So it's yep. completely understandable. Um, but then as you know, over that last 18 months, everything's just like caught on fire mm. you know, in terms of once people realize that there's a lot of technology that we can adopt, mm. um, we're now getting to the point where semi-auto was a lot more viable. Um, we're getting to the point where, yeah, we've got HPA and obviously we have gas blowback uh, pistols. And, you know, I think I've seen some MP5s and stuff on the way as well.
0: There's a green gas MP5.
1: Yeah, right
0: seconds away.
1: <laughs> so that is absolutely nuts. Um and one of the so so there's that whole in terms of how fast that's happened. We still have people, you know, in the sport that don't even really understand what gas blowback is. And that's mm. not a a comment to them. It's just the fact that we've got to understand how fast this stuff's moving. So there's uh there's definitely there are definitely people that are interested in a low capacity magazine, but I think when we when we talk about the size of the hobby in terms of active player mm. base um, that's going to yeah, be a small US. slice yeah. of a, of a, an already small slice. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, but look, honestly, low cap to me changes the game completely in terms of like whether we you know start running low cap games or whatever else, but mm. it, it changes how you play. It completely changes how you play. I think back to when the first M97
0: pump-action shotguns came out yeah. and we ran a, a game and we said, you can have a Desert Eagle, an SKD Glock, yeah. and a pump-action shotguns. So they're the three options you've got. Or a Boltax and M24. That's yeah. all we had at the time that was that you've got to work it to fire it type. Yeah, you yeah. Can't yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and while there was some resistance
1: to that, there was a bunch of people that took that as a challenge and went, mm.
0: no yeah, right. I'm going to have a crack at that.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Look, it's it's a funny thing. Um, I think a lot of people don't realise, and, and I think it kind of goes back to that point around when I was talking about speed QB and that sort of stuff, right, mm. is when you start putting constraints in place, right whether it's weapons in terms of what they can fire ranges you know all that sort of stuff um i actually think it makes the game a lot more interesting and i say that purely from the point of view that it's a thinking game yeah exactly it's a thinking you've got to assess it you know that you can't like you know if if you're not allowed to run around just full auto auto mag dump or you're not going to have enough ammo for it Mm. um then it's actually going to make you start to strategize whereas in a lot of the casual games today um and and by all means, like people have a blast doing it, right? I don't want to I don't want to yeah. criticize or undermine that, but um, you know, when you have got people running around full autoing everywhere, you, you're also going to have a body of people in there that aren't really for that. They actually want to have a bit of a challenge, mm. you know, to to the play style. So
0: I, I think about a lot of the computer games that I really enjoyed 10, 15 years ago, yep. and they were games where hunting for ammo was a massive aspect, or yep. not shooting was a massive aspect. And I I get that there are some people that play now that are like. I just want to blast people. Exactly. Yeah. But there are people that want to sneak and peek and snipe and do those
1: types of. Yeah. I can't really say snipe. <laughs> 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 Pretend to snipe. Um, Twenty meter snipe. Yeah. It's and you know it's it's funny. So like uh, so again talking about spec ops, right? Um, one of the one of the coolest things, two two really cool things they've done. Uh, one in the past is they had a uh, counterterrorism games, and that was that was the first competitive game that I played, uh, and that was phenomenal right and it's purely because everyone knows what the you know what you're going to expect and, and how to play uh, but the other thing is they do like pitch black one mag only one life only games and it's that it's that funny thing where as much as you all want to go out there and blast each other it's you you've got to earn it it changes your adrenaline level yeah i yep. think
0: you get much more adrenaline and much more anticipation
1: yes absolutely it is extremely um intense yeah yeah
0: yeah, so I, I was talking to Francis today. He's keen to come on the podcast in January, so awesome. uh, I'm going to have to get back and play. Like, I haven't played there since it was just paintball, so yeah. um, I need to go back because nice. he's come and played here twice now, so yeah, and I'm, it's, it's I'm a good feeling time. a bit bad that I haven't <laughs> played there. So this is on to you, Francis. Yeah, um, But, yeah, it, and it's also interesting um, when we look at guys like Francis that, yeah. have, that have done the kicking doors thing themselves they know how to operate and some of those skills work really well in gel and some are totally useless
1: absolutely absolutely yeah he um he does look so uh between him and one of the guys i play with actually so i mean they they actually do uh as a part of their membership like training right so you can learn some of the techniques and stuff and it's it's actually really funny when you know you go and learn or he's kind of Roughly teaching you the, you know what you actually do and you're like that's totally not going to work in a game, mm-hmm. right? It does it does work in a game where it's where you have those really tactical limited rule sets, mm-hmm. but in casual in casual gameplay you've got to adapt. Yeah. Um, but it's it's they're really cool skills to learn. But again, it's it's always about that adapting and learning. Okay, what can we tweak? How can we change it? Hmm. Yeah,
0: I, I noticed somebody um, you were doing transition drills and yeah. um, rapid acquisition drills the
1: other day on Instagram, and people didn't get that. I'm yeah. like. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Hey, um, I look, I try, I try not to get sucked too much into the comments with that sort of, sort of yeah. stuff. But because w- what I find difficult sometimes is there's uh, a lot of times, look, there's people actually asking genuine questions. They're like, mm. you know, why would you do that? And you know, you can go through the explanation. Of, and well, it's like, hard to get that tone. in. Yeah. It's, tone, tone is one thing. Right. And then on top of that, you're also in your response. You can actually then suck in some of the trolls that just want to, you know, you yeah. rag on it. It's like, you know, look, it, it is what it is, but um, it just brings me back to that point is, you know, everyone is in this hobby for a different reason. I mean, yeah. there are some people that are probably just sitting there collecting blasters right now and haven't played once. You know, I talk to them on Discord where they're yeah. like, yeah, I haven't played. I've got entire armory of blasters, but I've never mm. played. I'm going to head out for my first game this weekend. And you're like, what yeah. are you doing, man? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, everyone wants something a little bit different. And, and it's that same thing. You know, we start get, start to get to simulation-style blasters and that sort of stuff, mm. those drills are going to make sense.
0: So, Do you think that if we did gas operated without the blowback Mm. um so it was gas operated but didn't have that felt recall Mm. aspect which would be technologically simpler Mm -hmm. um would that be something you'd wait until the blowback version came out
1: um so for me it's less about the blowback and more about the the instant availability of ammo so being able to rack it basically right um so you know for example when the p1 first came out i was blown away right i know there's, there's a lot of people that are that'll you know crap on the p1 but funnily enough it also seems to be the most reliable still selling now yeah exactly um and you know so i actually hpa tapped uh my p1 recently but the the thing that is for me is is the the most valuable is the fact that it's magazine in ammo is ready to go Hmm. it lets you do that drill you don't need the blowback the blowback's fun right um but you know it's it's about being able to drill that and and really kind of that starts to set the immersion for that cqb stuff for sure Hmm.
0: I got really excited when um, they were talking about uh, the, the one that TACTOYS does now, the, the electric pistol with blowback. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I was really yeah. looking forward to that. And then when it came, I, was, I really felt let down, even though they'd made some of the changes that they needed to make to make it work. Mm. Um, and I just wonder whether, like, where are we going to go next? What's yeah. after
1: gas blowback? That's, a, that's a, honestly, that's a really interesting question. I I just don't know if there's much more beyond that. Like I know mm. that there are some uh, in the airsoft world. I know that there are some electric style simulation blasters. So as mm. um, so a Tokyo Marui has their next generation recoil system, and it's got you know pretty similar functionality to what a, to, to what a gas blowback is. Yeah. Um. I've always I've always thought the electric like. That, that timing of having the electric blowback pistol alongside the gas stuff, I've always thought was weird. Mm. Um, I know that there are some very specific fields that don't allow gas. And so as a part of that, it's like, yeah, fair enough. That that would make sense. Mm-hmm. But I just don't see the point of it. Um, yeah. Just, you know, when we talk about performance and all that sort of stuff as well. It's... Yeah. It,
0: I think it, it should just be price point. The, mm. um, the 3DG, mm. it's about a $100 blaster. Yeah. It's not a $1,000 blaster. Yeah. But... The gas blasters, there is a lot more technology and effort to get them off the ground. Mm-hmm. I see them being a higher price point. Mm. Not everyone can afford that, but they yep. still want to have a pistol that's plenty of fun. And I, I see the 3DG and the bredam M22, mm. and there's a new SKD Glock coming out that's yep. got the 14.4.
1: Yeah, I think I saw that, yeah.
0: Um, so that sort of stuff, I see a place for it. And mm. I remember having a chat to Morkai when we were standing up EP1 about... Limited capacity magazines, and yeah, we we're right. trying to work out a way with the J nine level of technology. We we're at Gen nine. We weren't. I don't even think we had the ACRs back then. The J tens, mm. and we're right. If we're going to do thirty round mags, they how do, do we do that? Then yeah, there wasn't like we sat there and we played with it. And went all right. We'll, we'll load the people's mags and give them to them, and, we're, and yeah, but just wasn't stop them doing these. Yeah, ones. There, yeah, there's no practical way of doing low kappa but yeah, with if if we got a P1 adapter mm-hmm. that we could put inside an M4 shell, put the the working parts in there, mm-hmm. and then put a P1 mag in the mag well, we could make that work. A low it's, cap, yeah. It's not beyond the realms of possibility. And I'm sure there's some Hacksmith out there now going... <laughs> 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 you got me, Tractor. I'm yeah. doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying six P1s tomorrow.
1: Well, it's... Um, so, look, it's, it's kind of funny. So, the... Because I think the issue in terms of having a, a low cap magazine, right? So again, Airsoft World, they have a spring called, coiled all the way through the magazine and then you just you know, load however many mm-hmm. is appropriate. But the biggest issue has been in the past about, well, how do you put gels in without the spring crushing them on the way through? Yeah. So I think, look, I think that there is a solution to to getting that technology working. Mm. Um, I know a few guys that are looking at some, some ways of doing it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it is really tough because even even like you know you, in terms of these these mid to high caps that we're using, uh, the issue being, of course, is you know for those of you that kind of don't know how the magazines work properly, is that you know if you only put thirty rounds in, it's not going to work hmm. because there's not enough gels to feed up yeah. the up the tube. But yeah, it is. Um, it is. It, I think it's it's a it's an interesting challenge. Uh, mm. that then at the same time know when we talk about low cap stuff i know there's a lot of guys that you know want to do pistol only matches and that sort of stuff and that is really fun stuff um Ooh. but you know then then we're talking about guys that have only got gas blowback pistols or you know you've then only got a limit of what is it like 17 rounds or something like that Ooh. so yeah you start to run into your own challenges there as well
0: what, one of the refs here that's been a priority since day one, Jake, mm. he wants to run a John Wick match where it's just CO two pistols and pump action CO two blasters. Yeah.
1: Like down, he wants to run it down here, or yeah, at yeah, the right. junkyard. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and literally, he wants people to wear suits and <laughs> like get right into the cosplay, and that's yeah. cool. That's, yeah, like it's not for everyone, and I'd love to do that, mm. but I can't see a hundred people rocking up for it.
1: Hundred percent. You're, yeah, because you, you again, it's that same thing. We're in a niche. Yep. Right. And now you're talking about okay. Now we only want guys that show up that have actually got gas pistols. Yeah. Uh, or gas shotguns, and hmm. that want to dress up.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and they've never been here before, and they might
1: like coming. And yeah,
0: they're not stuck to X field. And yeah, uh, yeah, you know, exactly. The, the same other, other things going on.
1: Yeah, uh, I would say though, you know, it's, it's funny that kind of stuff. Um, so you know, those those drills and everything that you've seen. You know, obviously we're we're training down here using the CQB environment. I would say that. It is set up very well to run that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, incredibly fun space to play in.
0: Yeah. For, for those in the public that don't know, we have four different groups that come here one night a week. Mm. So, your Mondays, Tuesdays, gonna, Tuesday, 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 yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, the, the Monday guys that are here now, that's who I was yep. waving to a second ago. Yep. Um, they're an established Millsim team. Yep. You guys come here on a Tuesday. Yep. There's a speedball team that comes here on a Wednesday. And yep. there's a junior speedball team that's about to start coming here on a Thursday. Awesome. And they just make a small donation to Wounded Heroes, and they come down here and they do their own things. Um, yeah. In the past, there was ones where we'd run training, mm. but you can. There's only so much you can train a team to do, without being the font of all knowledge. But, and you can't. Nobody knows everything.
1: Yeah, you've you've spoken about the challenges of of running training stuff before. Oh, it's a dirty word, man. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I was talking to uh, Bob Davis Mm. about it because we're looking at doing um, the next Milsim I'm involved in. MILSOC It's not Milsim. Yeah. He said, what training do you want provided? And I wrote this paragraph about training's a dirty word and uh, I just don't know how to broach that subject Mm. because whilst I want people to get higher levels of skill, Mm there are people that have a level of skill that are competable that don't need somebody to tell them what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's hard to find a, a venue where you can go, I don't care what your skill level is. Mm-hmm. Let's just play Yeah. Um, in a Milsim environment. I think mm-hmm. Jace does that well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's something that I need to learn how to do better mm-hmm. in, in going, this isn't training. This is an event. Yeah. And let the people play. Don't, yeah, they're going to jump on your squad. Just let them jump on. Yeah. Like, literally.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, look, and, it, and it's, a, it's an interesting thing, right, because I think a lot of it always comes down to expe- expectation from the players, mm. right, is do they know, in any event, right, is, is when they're going to show up somewhere, is are their expectations in alignment with whoever is, you know, delivering that or, or running that event? And I yeah. think there's a lot of times where it's very, very easy for people to get their wires crossed. And the, I think even just the name, Milsim, right and I know, you know <laughs> That's you've had why conversations this podcast exists. exactly right <laughs> it, it, you know I've seen it I've heard those conversations it's just the fact that that name triggers different impressions and understandings of what that means right and it could be anything like you could even say even if you step away from Milsim and again if we talk about speedball right you can say I'm running a speedball competition is that for those guys that have played or have seen different types of speedball formats, can it all show up? If they don't read the rules or they don't understand, you know, what's going on, mm. then there's going to be an absolute mix-up when the when the yeah. competition is running. And I, I think that just applies to, for all of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this idea of running a, a more casual and introductory kind of approach to the to the Milsim space, mm. I think that's fantastic, right? Yeah. Um, but, it, yeah, it's, I think, again, it's going to be that same thing where it's like, okay, you know, obviously, experienced guys going to show up. It's, no, it's, it's an, like yeah. no I, question about I want the
0: added. experienced guys to show up. Yeah. But I don't want the new guys to feel like the experienced guys are looking down on it, even if they're not. Yeah. I yeah. don't want the impression that other people will judge them.
1: Yeah, yeah. That's the That's elitism. the hard sell. Yes, no, absolutely. Oh. But, you know, I think starting to foster that environment, though, it's, it's really good, and it's just a matter of, as long as, you know, everyone's kind of understanding there. If the experienced guys show up, if there's an expectation, it's like, hey, guys, you know, mm. you hit a mentor, yeah. right? So be friendly. <laughs> yes. It's under your wing, yeah. not under your cane. Show them how to, yeah, show yeah. Them how to roll, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, and just, show just be them, chill.
0: Show them by example, not yeah. by instruction.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, and there's, there's definitely, a, I think, um, there needs to be an understanding as well. as It's like, hey, look, we're here to have fun. Right. Uh yeah, I think there's there's some guys out there that just wanna be hard down the line. It's like And that's I why I like the term it. MILSOFT, because yeah. it's
0: very hard to take the term milsoft too seriously, I think. Yeah. <laughs> MILSIM, people get and I get wrapped around the axles about what MILSIM is yeah. and what you should and shouldn't do. Yeah, yeah. MILSOFT says, Hey, let's yeah. be soft. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's <laughs> the whole <laughs> point. Military style. Yeah. 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 Paramilitary style softness. <laughs> Yeah. Cucumber sandwiches and cold fairy (laughs) bread. Only a few people know that joke. Um, So, any blasters that are on the horizon that you are pining for?
1: Hell yeah, man. Well, actually, so firstly, I mean, you've just said that the the gas MP5 is... I've seen it firing really it is it is very very nice wow yeah so i'll show you after this i can't share yeah, it yeah. Obviously, but <laughs> i can show you we'll describe the sounds to you later in the next episode um yeah look so mp5 absolutely so i've got i've got a couple of uh, hpa engines sitting on my bench waiting, waiting. to be installed um
0: what do they fit into is that like a v2 shape
1: Yeah. Uh, or is it its own thing totally yeah it's like it's it's a little simpler than that. In the the, the core of it is basically re- is replacing the cylinder in any blaster, right? Yeah. The cylinder is the engine, yeah. Um, but then there is a trigger board similar to your MOSFETs that yeah. then mounts into the gearbox. So, um, you can use the same engine in a V three. You can use it in a Gen eight. You can use it in a V two style. Uh, as long as you know the tricks to get the trigger board to mount and all that sort of stuff as well. Mm-hmm. For the V3 stuff, they have a, a specific um, trigger board so it all fits yep. in. So for the most part, depending on what you have, it just drops straight in and then you can do all sorts of funky stuff to, to get it to work. Like I've seen it working with Vector. It's crazy, right? Yep. Um, but yeah, so I've got a couple engines sitting there. So I've been absolutely waiting for a uh, metal MP5, right? Um, we've been wanting one for a very long time. <laughs> I know Tac Edge has got some coming um, and then... We're also waiting on what to bring in, uh, a couple. So there's a, I know there's a limited run coming in. That's a very, very cool shell. Um, and look, I know they, they had issues with the, um, the, the nickname Scar 1000, uh, shell <laughs> that came in, you know, a while ago. But for me, what's really cool is like, I know I'm going to HPA this thing straight away. So mm. don't really care. Uh, whatever's going to be in the internals of that. So yeah, look, I'm waiting for MP5s. That's like the, the biggest thing I'm waiting for. Gas MP5s are really cool. Um, I've heard of a, uh, what do you call it? Um, the SIG uh, MCX. So they're bringing in MCX at some point. That's what I know of. And, yep. and of course, those gas MP5. So I feel like there's a lot more going on that I don't know about. There's a few bolt action rifles on the horizon, but they yeah. could be six, eight months away yet. Interesting. And um, so the car 98 landed not so long ago. In, oh, true. In gas. Yeah, people are waiting on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, because I, I heard those are coming from Double Bell, I think, or they've got some other stuff. Yeah. So, they, look, there's like it's one of those things where I think I think what I get caught up in too much is that there's a lot of talk about all the cool stuff, and then, yeah. oh, hey, we'll just wait two years for that to arrive. Oh, yeah. Um, Have you ever spoken to Joanna? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Oh, yeah, it's coming next month. And <laughs> yeah. talk to me about it yeah, in yeah. yeah. I tell you. So, yeah, so it's just one of those things where, unfortunately, it's just a matter of, I don't know how long we'll be waiting. Um, you know, and hopefully we'll start seeing a lot more cool stuff landing soon, but you know, the whole world's had troubles with you know, COVID and all sorts yep. of stuff and now trade with China as well. So I guess, I guess we'll see what happens. And then I do hear that there's some cool stuff going on with uh, one of the other major retailers as well that might see some, you know, stuff coming from Taiwan and all that sort of stuff as well, which would be very, very nice.
0: Mm-hmm. I know of at least one retailer that's been talking to a major company in Taiwan, I can't say the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know another couple, another couple of, um wholesalers have spoken to that company as well yeah um so there's a lot of negotiations going on. I would love to see us move from the China model to the Taiwan model myself mm-hmm. um, knowing what the quality assurance and quality control on Taiwanese production is like compared to China absolutely yes, the price point will rise yeah but the quality will rise
1: exponentially I think it's it's actually the price point's an interesting conversation because I um was having a chat with some of the guys that are, you know, dealing with Japan and that sort of stuff now as well. It's um, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because I know that, you know, there's there's a certain price point that's been around for gel blasters as it is. But where we're starting to get into a bit of a sticky point is I think, you know, like you say, as you start getting that higher quality, uh, you know, whether it's from Taiwan, whether it's even if it's from Europe or whatever. Oh, I can else.
0: buy a real Glock for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Exactly. There's a lot of people that throw that around and, and it's really it must be really tough as well as a retailer, right? Because it's going to be well, you know, will do we continue with the margins that we had, and it's going to, you know, mm. be in a, in a very large, mm-hmm. sorry, a very high price point for that stuff. It's it's not easy.
0: Yeah, it's like any business, there mm. is a risk proposition. You mm. go, okay, I'm going to throw my house at this. I'm yeah. I'm going to literally take sell my house, <laughs> throw <laughs> that money at something. Yeah, and. For that person to make that risk, mm. we need, as a community, we need to reward them in yeah. some way. Yeah, exactly. And, and that is the, where the price point in Australia is. Mm. Taking like, um I think about the Bin Feng MAC-10. I know mm. the guy that was the first guy that had them in Australia mm. and he had the first couple of cartons They were air freighted in, he was so excited, mm. and they were a lemon. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, they are yeah, a piece yeah. of
1: crap. But that's the risk.
0: But that's the risk. Yeah. Um, and that guy took the risk, threw the money down, got him here, air freight. And yeah. you can imagine what, like, oh, cartons yeah. yep, of yeah, Mac-10s. Yeah. Um, and that didn't work out for that guy. And there's mm. other guys that have waited for the slow boat and done the sneaky-peaky corporate espionage, mm. like being the <laughs> first and done the mergers yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. And got the X item here first. It Look, tack edge with the, the minigun. mm I can't imagine what the setup costs on getting some company in Japan or China or wherever going to them and going, that $1,000 US dollar minigun, I want you to go and change everything you do about that so it works for me, mm. and I only want 100 of them. Yeah. Could you imagine what that company would say to that person?
1: Well, mm. oh, the price is twice as <laughs> much. Yeah. And, the, and it's one of those <laughs> things that I say, oh yeah, we'll charge you twice as much, thinking oh they won't do it. Like, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> Look... Um, I was party to a conversation with a guy talking to a paintball factory in China this week. Yeah, right. And they were talking about gas blowback Mm. and gas-operated rifles. Mm. Um, And once they had the discussions about it, the Chinese guys are going, look, it's going to be too expensive. It's going to be this amount of dollars. Mm. And the guy went, yeah, I can do that. Yeah, right. Because he can see what they will retail for. Yeah. He can take that risk and go, yeah, that's yes, I'm going to have to throw my house and my car and my dog at this and yeah. a kidney for, and my yeah. firstborn child, but yeah. then that'll all get, come back.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, and it's funny, right? Like, that stuff you talk about, I think a lot of people forget about that. Yeah. And, you know, whether it's risk, whether it's all the overheads, everything, of just running a business. Yeah. Like, there's no point. I think there are a lot of people out there that will complain about price point and then not realise, like, yeah, sure, you could go and pay the Chinese price and try and get it in yourself, but yeah. you miss out on the convenience, you miss out on, you know, all the risk, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, but then at the other end of it, it's like, at the same time, that person also is trying to make a living, mm. you know, in, in doing this stuff. So there's a there's a, a point there that you've got to accept.
0: Yeah, the, it's hard, because you've got to find a point that's fair, that's mm. not gouging, that's not undercutting, that's... Mm. And, like, I think about the previous retail stuff I did before Gel Blasters, and... It was essentially there was an industry collusion on what the price should be. Yeah. And it was this unwritten agreement that, okay, you're selling it for that. No one else is going to sell it. And it, nobody spoke about it, but it yeah. was just don't sell it for less than anyone else because <laughs> then yeah. everyone loses. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but that doesn't seem to exist <laughs> in gel blasters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting space. Yeah. Uh, Look, it's not two litres of milk at Woolies where you can just go, I'll take a loss on that because I'll come in on something else. But look, there are some items that I, because I talk to people on the back end and you look at the price of X item and you go, I know what that costs in China. Mm. Yes, it's a pain in the butt and everything else. uh, And then you sell it for what? Mm. And look, I know the ins and outs of that and I feel like it's ripping people (laughs) off. But look, some guys have got to get rewarded for innovation.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and as much as I'll rag on some of the, the guys out there privately, yeah. I won't do it publicly because they're doing something.
1: Well, and look, the other thing is, I think at the end of the day, if it wasn't for that, we probably wouldn't be where we are as a, as an industry, to be honest. Yeah. Right? So... Look,
0: me and Peter Clark, we don't see eye to eye on yeah. a lot of things. Yeah. But I will always stand up for the fact that whether people think that he supports the industry or not, Mm. this industry owes a lot to Peter's persistence and his attitude and his business acumen. Mm. Whether you like why he's in the industry and his opinions on things doesn't mean that we're not here because of him or here because of him or... Or any of that stuff. And, and people forget about 2016 and 2017. They were mm. very formative years in the gel ball industry and people go, oh, but it's only been around for five minutes. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Um, I tried my hand at retail and I yeah. failed miserably and mm. that just is what it is. Yeah. Um, and I don't spite other people for succeeding.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Um, I've seen plenty of guys try and fail. I've seen businesses come and go Everyone knows a business that they used to buy a lot of stuff from that doesn't exist now. Mm. Um, everyone knows a little guy that they'll go to for some stuff and there's guys that you go to and you'll never go to again. And yeah, yeah. But is that any different to a Roast Chicken's Place? No. Yeah. It's just business. It's just business. Um, what else can we talk about? I don't know, man. I don't
1: know. What do you want to know?
0: Um, what's the plans, what's the next evolution in soft ops?
1: Next evolution in soft ops? Um, Look, there's a bit that's going on that I'll talk about and there's some stuff that I won't.
0: Oh, obviously. (laughs) And don't feel pressured to talk about things that you're
1: not ready to. No, no, absolutely. So look, uh, look, soft ops has gone through an interesting kind of, I guess, interesting journey. So, I mean, I early on already said, alluded to the fact that I kind of, like, I started soft ops because I couldn't find information. Right. I simply couldn't find places to play, um, so it all started just as the battle list, which was yep. just a static image you know they yep. shared around and it just went on fire. so I thought you know what that's the test that's that's my test. so I started um building an app around it because I knew people would want to would want to use it so that app is now out right I mean if you yep. haven't seen it, soft ops that app you can go there and you can see where all the games are and a few bits of news and that sort of stuff um, but for me there's there's a lot of room for growth in how we uh, you know, cover job or how we pre- like how we produce media, how we, you know, provide and build content around the space. Yeah. So for me, there's there's a couple of things that I'm focusing on. One is I'm, I'm working on upda- updates to the app. I know a lot of people love it, right? I've had really, really good feedback. But at the same time, I can look at it and I know exactly where there's problems and things that I need to kind of enhance and upgrade. So people have a much better time finding stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one component. But then the other side is, you know, I, in terms of the content space, I'm, I'm working on ways so that we can start having kind of, I guess, higher quality content. You know, whether it's our reviews or community contributions to, you know, reviews of gear and all that sort of stuff as well. For the most part, and look, I don't, I'm not trying to rag on, you know, content that's out there, but I think for the most part, if you look around, content is. You know, a lot of reviews are literally someone posts on Facebook is shooting a can in the backyard and says, oh, look, she goes, she's a ripper. Yeah. Right? And you're like, yeah, oh, okay. went
0: through that can <laughs> at four <laughs> centimetres. How cool is yeah. that? Yeah.
1: yeah, exactly. So, you know, there's a lot of room to go on that. And that was part of, you know, when I created the HPA the HPA overview, it's kind mm-hmm. of like the direction that I'm trying to take with that. Um, and we're trying to, uh, myself and a few other people, are trying to just focus on really lifting that up um, lifting up the quality of, of, of reviews and information that's put out there. Um, but the other thing that's that's kind of churning in the back of my mind in, in terms of that content production, and I've, I've spoken to, to Dan T- Tine about this as well, I've spoken to a few guys that I play with, is in my head, I wonder why is it that and this actually steers us back to the Milsom space, right? Is again, if you, so I, for, for, for everyone's kind of record here, I've played in the, the speedball format at Hardcore Blasters, right? So I played in their league. Um, and that was the first like speedball thing that I did, but it was really, really fun. But one of the things I've noticed, whether it's Hardcore or whether it's Speedsoft Australia or Gorilla Blasters, you know, or even the, uh, the Gel City League as well, is a lot of those speedball formats, for the most part, if they're done correctly, are really easy to spectate. They're actually a really engaging format. Um, people can enter those games with very little experience. They'll probably get rolled, but they're going to have a good time, right? Uh, and it's, it's really straightforward. Um, the rules are really straightforward and lots sort of stuff as well. But then when we talk about Milsim, right, um, or even, even if we step yep. away from Milsim itself and just think, okay, the military theme, the tactical, CQB or outdoors yep. is there is nothing out there that is, is as engaging as something like speed Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's a number of different things that contribute to it. One is that obviously for it to be for us to be out a spectator sport like that, there needs to be the right venue and set up. If it's out in the bush, that's going to be boring as hell. You'd be looking at trees. Um, but, you know, even if we're talking indoor, you know, tactical arenas, that sort of stuff, I know, uh, I think it's in the US, they've got um, Battle Arena and they, they're starting yeah. to play around with some interesting mm-hmm. rules. Um, but the idea is that like, why is it that we don't have, whether it's media, just general content that's really engaging and, and enjoyable, similar to the SpeedQB format, uh, or, or why is it that we're not starting to play around with, well, what about the guys that are looking for something a little bit different? want to be able to compete and we, we're not saying compete seriously yeah right but you know just being able to have uh, a really good go um at at working as a team to solve problems to get through things and beat another team yeah right and and that's what i mean like when i played the uh the spec ops ct games in 2019 it's so weird yeah because it was meant to be one this year so in 2019 um that was the first taste of that kind of setup for me and it was really really good but the, the and I, i've spoken to francis about this as well but it's it's like I think the, the frustrating part about it is it's so hard to watch, right? Mm. Um, and it's just because they they just didn't have the facilities set up to watch it. Um, but I think, yeah, for me, look, I'm 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 working with a few people to try and start looking into what are some other you know formats that we can play. Mm. And I'm really looking forward to what's going with this mill soft stuff as well, um, because I think look, you know, I think you're onto something in that there's something there around how do we how do we have formats of gameplay that allow people to come and try it. And as you say, they don't feel like they're getting you know, looked down upon or mm. anything like that. Um, but then at the same time, in, in, in having it shown in a way, whether it's online through live streams or whether it's yeah. people literally just sitting there on the sidelines watching uh, in a way that's actually engaging and fun to watch. Mm. Because you know, there's, I think it's easily forgotten that as much as there are people that enjoy playing, there's people that enjoy collecting, there's actually a lot of people that enjoy watching.
0: Look at Airsoft. Exactly. Absolutely.
1: Right. And, and that's, there's a reason why there's so many big channels out there is if it's done in the right way and it's engaging enough, um, you know, there are, there, are, there are people out there that will simply just watch it. And in, in my mind, that's really good for growth. Yeah. Right. And, and that's, I guess that's probably what I'm getting to is, you know, I've had conversations with Dan and a few other people as well, where it's just like, that's all we really should be focusing on is just growth. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Is, is the positivity. There's a lot of friction and stuff going on in the community. But at the end of the day, if, all we're doing is focusing on things getting bigger, bringing more people into the fold, insulating the sport in you know in terms of making sure thing the wrong things aren't being done. Um, then it's a, that's only a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah.
0: I suppose the the flow on for that, the question that I'll pose for the audience is: Would soft ops be a place that becomes a hub for that media content?
1: Mm, uh, I would love it to be. Yeah, honestly. Um, so, because
0: for me, mm. spending. The the time that I've got, I don't have time to go looking for the new content mm. on YouTube or Facebook or wherever else. Mm. I rely on other people getting that to me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I watch Beard and Blaster Club and I watch mm. Timmy Dope and I watch mm. um, Vague Strategist and a yep. few of those guys. And um, yeah, but I, I can see that if we can get some high-level content Um, the growth could be phenomenal
1: yeah and look you know the guys that you mentioned one of the one of the things i'm trying to do and it's a part of the updates and everything i'm working on as well is i want people to be able to come in and not only like obviously if there's news articles written people want to read stuff they can read it but having essentially for lack of a better term calling it like soft ops tv right but it's just where you know whether it's community youtube submissions and and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. is exactly what you're talking about it's like you know what I don't want the distraction of Facebook. I don't want the distraction of all the other stuff yeah. out there. I literally just want, I just want my, you know, my gel yeah, ball content. I want never really. think yeah. for gel ball. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, look, there's the stuff like that that I want to do and allow community members to contribute and stuff. But the other thing, I, you know, I really want to work on is is being able to start getting access to these, you know, whether it's new products, new technology, that sort of stuff, and being able to do these decent reviews that allow people to actually understand what's going on yeah. uh, and present it in that way so people can make that decision and say, hell yeah, I want that or yeah. Yeah, maybe not.
0: Yeah, the other thing that I think is vital in in those types of content creators is the feedback to the manufacturers and the importers yeah. to say, this is the vibe on the street. People want a Colt 733 or mm. they want an XM177E2. Mm. This is what people want next. Yeah. Um, I remember, again, when the, the Mac-10 came out, there was a lot of hype. Everyone's going, yeah, yeah, we want the Mac-10. Um, but the sales didn't match what people were saying online so yeah. it wasn't the the truth of what people wanted wasn't they like would they like the idea of a mac 10 but were they ready to spend the money on it?
1: well and you know that online voice is really interesting right mm. because i think what's easy to forget in the online communities is is generally speaking the voices you're going to see yeah right it's like two ends of the spectrum mm-hmm. it's either going to be someone's like really, really keen on something and happy with it or they're the other end and they're really, really unhappy with it. Yeah. And so it's it's a very difficult litmus test to then make a decision about, well, what should we actually bring in? Yeah. But it's interesting that you talk about, you know, the getting that feedback to the retailers because the same thing, uh, you know, in Airsoft, I know, and it's a lot easier because it's it's a lot more established in, you know, yep. worldwide for that sort of stuff. But well,
0: they, I, I look at the archery world and yep. I look at the gun world. Yeah. They send out products to independent people yep. free of charge and yep. go... Go and mess with this, break it, and then tell us what to do different. Yeah, they have that involvement in it. And then Mm. when you're ready, we'll send you the final one and do a review on it. Absolutely, and there's no fiscal involvement in that. Yeah, it's not produced by the companies themselves. You're sure Remington does this and Hoyt does that, blah blah blah, but the industry is driven by those end users and Mm. their opinions on the product.
1: 100% agree. I 100% agree.
0: I, I, I support Aussie reviews on Patreon, yeah. not because of the politics of guns or whatever else, mm. because of his independence yeah. on gun
1: stuff and
0: because of his stance on dual blasters.
1: Yeah, right. And, and it's funny, right? Because that support, that support through things like Patreon for those creators is actually what enables, enables them to do it. Because yeah. they're not, as you say, there's no financial involvement. So they're not getting paid to do those reviews, mm-hmm. but they need to be able to have the time, equipment, and all that sort of stuff yeah. to be able to do it.
0: Uh, and we look at the table in front of us. This is a prime example of where my Patreon money goes. You yep. can see where it's going here. It's not five cents. And I don't do this because I'm involved in the industry. It's because yeah. I'm passionate about the subject. Yep. Um, Thank you to those supporters, by the way. His setup
1: is very nice. I'm jealous. <laughs> <laughs> you can borrow
0: it. Yeah. I actually had on Facebook until about two weeks ago, I had you can rent my podcast equipment. Yeah, right. And pod- Facebook decided that I was providing a service uh, so they said, you can't sell that. I'm like, I'm not selling it. I'm renting it. <laughs> and I'm not like, it's come, rent the gear, take it away, bring yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, a- again, I mm-hmm. want somebody to go, all right, I'm producing some content now. I want to up the ante, but I don't know if I want to spend that $1,100 on that one bit of kit. I want to yeah. borrow that bit of kit. Yeah. Try it. Figure um, it out, yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, the the only reason I can afford that stuff is because of Patreon. Because mm. um, I am not made <laughs> of money. <laughs> It's funny that somebody that is at the field goes, oh, you're so rich. And I'm like, do you want to <laughs> see my bank balances? And I showed them my bank balances yeah. and they went, oh. your net worth is hundreds of thousands negative. And I said, yes. <laughs> Everything, that, there's nothing yeah, on there that says that. plus. Yeah. So it's all debit, 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 yeah. debit. How do you get that in debt? Well, you start with a house. <laughs> and then and you go down a credit card. There. And yeah. then you buy shiny things and you get old. But yeah, and, and that's... Look, everyone's like that. The, the ignorance of youth. Um, Let's talk about your partner. Mm-hmm. She's a big supporter of you,
1: what you're doing. Absolutely. You couldn't do it without her, could you? No, no way. Um, It's a... Uh, yeah, it's kind of funny, man. Like, so early on, my partner was actually playing with us as well. She'd play on a regular basis. Um, But, and, you know, she's all for what I do. 100%. And... She seems to approve of a lot of the purchases that I make, out <laughs> <laughs> loud. Maybe not. Maybe yeah. not on the uh, on the inside voice. Yeah. But yeah, look, you know, it's 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 one of those things. There's absolutely no way that I'd be able to go out and do the things that I do. Um, time, money, you know, all that sort of stuff, support in general. And you know, there's a lot of times as well where even on the on the soft top stuff, she's picking up the slack. Where it's you know messages to the inbox and moderating and all that sort of stuff as well. You know, having, having the support of my partner is being absolutely crazy. Um, and, you know, same goes to some of the mates and stuff that have been helping me along the way as well.
0: Yeah. A lot of people don't understand how much um, that people in the industry rely on their families and their partners and their kids to to prop up what they're doing to give up stuff um, yeah. for people to be doing what they're doing. Um, yeah, Dan's man. an example. Yeah. Um, he gives up a lot of his own time to do stuff. Yeah, he runs odds Yeah, he's mm. tied in with X, Y, and Z, but um dan does a lot freely and so do so many other people yeah um and I, I, I can be critical of anyone i could have a crack at command delete mm. but they give yeah absolutely i've seen them do wonderful things in the community so mm. everyone puts in some
1: way yeah it's um you know even i think in my early days i think we were organizing a raffle or something um uh for one of the guys down at act and it was actually it was kind of mind blowing because for me, coming from kind of the outside and then having these conversations with different retailers and all that sort of stuff, everyone started chipping in, right? Mm. Um, and we ended up with this prize pool that was just ridiculously, yeah, yeah, absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. Tell you what, it, draw, drawing the drawing the <laughs> prizes was was <laughs> a little scary to be honest. What yeah. came out of that, but yeah, look, you know, it, it's kind of su- it's kind of funny to seeing everyone lean in like that, and you think, oh, hang on a minute, you know, there's, mm. there are a lot of I think there's a lot of politics on the outside. I know there's obviously a lot of politics on the inside, but there's I think when when everyone needs to come together, they do. Yeah. Uh and it's very difficult for a lot of people to see that. Yeah. And I do, look there's honestly there's no reason why the majority of people would need to or would want to or anything yep. like that. But yeah, there's there's a lot that people are putting in and not all of them are, not all not all of them even have a, a financial gain or interest. It's literally Absolutely. they just want to see sport grow or they have a passion for something yep. and so they just throw their weight behind these things it's very easy to forget
0: yeah I, I, I can say in the last six weeks um, large financial contributions have been given to us by Donnybrook mm. uh, and I'm talking about Wounded Heroes Brook has given us large stuff yep Tack Edge has given us large stuff. Mm. Commander Lead has chipped in for um, the Sander stuff that we're doing. Yep. Uh, Odds Gel has chipped in for stuff. Mm. M4A1 has offered stuff for stuff that we're doing that's totally unrelated to Gel Wall. He said, I run this other business, does this thing, can I give yeah, you one of them? them. Yeah. Um, and that absolutely enables what Wounded Heroes does on a day to day basis. Mm. And ninety nine percent of those guys don't ask yep. for us to mention that. Um and and it's hard to then hear people hack on those guys. And I have disagreements with those guys at times. Everyone yeah. does. <laughs> but at the end of the day, we need to be a community.
1: Yeah. And it, it really goes back to that point, right? Is is despite all the stuff that, that goes on in between is it's it's growth. Yep. Right. It's and people can other.
0: make mistakes and learn from them and mm. change. Yeah. That that's the biggest thing I've seen in the last twelve months is people did things into the industry and they saw what that meant mm-hmm. for themselves and for the industry and they changed what they were doing. Yeah. Um, some people have done that really, really well
1: mm. and some people have done that poorly. I think, yeah, you get, and you got to give them credit for it, right? Because it, it's one of those things where even as individuals it can be very difficult to admit or recognise if, if, if you've been doing something that wasn't right and say, actually, yep. you know what, we do need to change. Yeah. You know, there's there's some stubborn people out there that just wouldn't do it.
0: Look, it is really easy to go Tactoys; they're a bunch of wankers. Mm. Corey's got a squeaky voice, all that mm. sort of stuff. Mm. But there's a lot of support. like I find it very hard to hack on Tactoys, knowing some of the things they've done for me behind the scenes. Yeah, right. When I've rocked up there on a Sat day and gone, shit, my Chronos just crapped itself at the field. Yeah. all three of them, the shit. Yeah, yeah. Um, And they might give me one or give me one at cost or whatever else. And They don't have to do that. Mm. Like any other retailer, they could just go, well, the price is the price, mate. Yeah. Um, So they do some stuff that I don't agree with too. Yeah. But, yeah, that's the industry for you. (laughs) It's uh, interesting. All right, so we've done an hour and a quarter now. Mm -hmm. You want to keep talking? You got something do you want to know? Uh, we'll talk about? It. I'm what do you got coming for Christmas?
1: What have I got coming for Christmas? Yeah, hopefully an MP5. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'll be here in time. <laughs> Just like those tidy M16s. Oh uh, yep. Mm. Yeah, no. Honestly, I have no. Actually, there is one thing I know of that I've that is under the tree for me, uh, which is the I got a. Uh, what do you call it? Um, what is it with beeping in this podcast? Yeah, I know right. Um, so spec ops, they've got like a little store sitting there now, and so they're actually selling sword equipment, and they've mm-hmm. got these really nice rigs. It's absolutely overkill for gel ball. but yeah, I know I've got one of those sitting on the tree, which is you know what I say. Well, pay once, cry once. Yeah, true. <laughs> it's funny, you know. I was, I was, uh, who was I? I was talking to? I was talking to Ray or someone, someone else. I don't know. We're, we're actually talking about that. Is you know, in, in with gear and and actually, it might have been, it might have even been Dan as well as part of a chat. But it's just one of those things where you come into the sport and at first it's like, I want a cool gun or a cool blaster, more accurately, and I want to get some gear. But you don't want to break the bank doing it, right? And so you go and get this cheap gear, but then over time you realise you're going to slowly upgrade. But then by the end of it, you've probably spent triple the amount (laughs) than if you had just gone and got the good stuff to begin with.
0: I had an interesting conversation with a guy that bought one of the Watt uh, HK416A5s. That's he only been,
1: that's only just hit, hit the market, right? It's been
0: here for 5 minutes. Yeah. That's his first blaster. Wow. He
1: what, didn't what, they, what were they retailing for at the moment? Like 785. Damn.
0: At, and look it They're is good what quality, it is, right? The shot shell, the shell's spot. Yeah yeah. 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 Um I've got one here if you want to have a yeah, look at it. Yeah, I love the around, yeah. Um but the the point for me was he went look I've got the money now. Mm. I'll get this and in two years' time I won't be looking for something else or I don't have to take it to a tech and and get the A Mm. and the B and the C. Mm. I don't know
1: all that stuff, so I'll
0: just buy the good one.
1: Yeah, yeah, right. Um, Which is an interesting... Not uh, I know nothing about the internals of that that blaster, hmm. right? But it's it's an interesting take on that where someone's walked in and said, this is what I'm going to get, blah, blah, blah. I don't need to do anything. It's like, it's only been on the market five minutes. How do you know that? (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? But um, I, I think there's certainly... There's certainly something about the quality of shells. Like, I, I'm i pretty sure I'd seen the prototype for that. Um, so I've got a good idea of what that looks like. But, um, yeah, but, uh, yeah. but the, I guess the other side as well is that, you know, same thing as you can go and get a nylon blaster or whatever it may be, and then over time you start buying all the metal parts anyway, and you mm. end up with something that never looked like, looks nothing like it started. Yep. As you say, you've only paid once. It's,
0: yep. Yeah. It's the old an- analogy with the axe. Yeah. It's had three heads and four handles, and it's the best axe of <laughs> ever had.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right,
0: look, that that's not everyone. Mm. Um, look, people know that I sell the J nines we have after X amount of rentals, and we sell yeah. them for a hundred bucks. Yeah, and they're perfect for the single mum or the whoever doesn't have the budget. Mm. It allows them to get a blaster and a mag and a, and a yeah. so that they know is working right now. They can go and play with it today. Yeah. Um, and it's a hundred bucks. There's not many places you can do that.
1: Yeah, and you know, it's a a really interesting uh, thing that you point out there as well. So one thing I've noticed at Fields lately, uh, so just talking about, you know, budgets and and entry-level stuff, right? One thing I've noticed at Fields lately, I mean, firstly, it's starting to quiet down a little bit, but when I've been playing at certain areas, um, there have been a lot of rentals, a Mm. lot. Like, I'm talking, there are a few sessions where I think there were 40 rentals, Showing up in a public session, so it wasn't a private session or anything like that. Yep. And it's it's groups of, um, you know, school kids, soccer clubs, work groups, all sorts of stuff. I think, you know, it's. I'm not sure if it's just because it's the season. I mean, you know, we're all locked up for COVID for you know, Lord yeah. no knows how long. It, look, it is the breakup season. There's mm. always going to be those parties. But is it is it that gel blasting is the new laser tag? I think it is. Yeah. You talked to
0: Dennis mm. at um, Mango Hill Skirmish. Yeah about his transition in the last 12 months from um, half a dozen Scar V2s as his rental blasters mm. to over 100 J10s. Wow. With drum mags and, and, and. That's a lot of rentals. He must we, be burned. We've got 65 rental blasters yeah. here every weekend.
1: And how, how often do you reckon you, like, you're using a lot of those? Normally go 30 to 40 yeah. on an average session. Yeah.
0: Wow. Because... Uh, like for me, we are the entry level field. Mm. We get people here; they have their first experience, and the first thing we tell them is, "We're not the be all and end all. Yeah. Go everywhere, try yeah. everything. Go and see Cassie. Go and play yeah. at Gel City. Yeah. Go and try speedball. Yeah. Find what's right for you."
1: Yeah, because not everyone likes what we do. It's funny. Like it's, I notice there's, and I think a few people would see it as well. When you, especially when you start bouncing around between fields there are very different atmospheres um very different demographics and people that show up mm. as well and and that's the one thing i've noticed here a lot is well, i don't know if it's always new players but there's there's definitely a, a it's hard to describe that it it feels more family friendly here than many other fields it's not that other fields aren't it's just that there's you know what i mean like there's a there's a there's weird there's everyone one
0: rule that we have that no other field has mm. there is no lower age limit mm. yeah right Many fields have, you must be 10, you must be 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If, to be here by yourself, 14 or above. Mm. Mum can go away, go have a coffee. Yeah. If you're under 14, mum or dad or a guardian or your carer or whatever just has to be on site. Yeah, right. So if you've got a six-year-old kid that you're happy with taking on the field with you, Mm. you can do that here. Yeah. And that, that people rag on me for 330 Mm. FPS. Mm. That's why I maintain it. Yeah. Because this sport will not grow for 10 years if we don't recruit those players. Yeah. If they don't have somewhere to play and learn about playing with others and well, Mm. all that stuff, they don't then buy a blaster and play elsewhere.
1: Yeah, they definitely need a safe place to be able to come in, learn how to do it, that sort of thing. And and I think to your point around the 330 as well, um, look, I'm very opinionated on FPS limits, but... I think, look, the thing we've got to try and keep in mind is there's a reason people don't play paintball a lot, yep. right? Like it's, you know, people play it, but it, there's there's a reason that people steer away from it. Hmm. One is cost and the other is pain. Yeah, And I think if, you know, if we were just to broadly say, okay, no FPS limits anywhere, then as you say, those new players, whether they're the younger generation or whether they're just newbies off the street that are thinking about getting involved, if they come in here and get whaled on, they're not coming back. Yep. You've got no sport. You've got no one to play with. And the other hand of that is
0: uh, somewhere like Gorilla, mm. they allow kids, they have a kids' league, and mm. they they manage that in a different way to us. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't make us better or them better. Mm. It just means that they're doing the same. They've got the same idea that mm. we need kids to play.
1: Yeah, but they manage. Yeah, as you say, they, they they've got things in place yeah. to keep those kids safe and, and make sure they're having a good time.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, me and Martin Shaw had discussions very very early on um, when I first started coming here about the culture of Mm. Milton East Mm. and we sat down and discussed exactly what we wanted in the culture Mm -hmm. Um, and I think we've by and large got the culture amongst the players that we want Mm. and it's something that we're always always working on yeah we haven't got it 100% right yeah we do upset people we do do the wrong thing Mm -hmm. um, but I think we own up to it very quickly.
1: What, what do you think causes those upsets? What kind of stuff?
0: Um, I think it's, people have different opinions. It doesn't matter where you're from. Yeah. People have different perspectives on things, different ideas about things. Mm. Um, and not everyone can always get their way. Yeah. Uh, unlike the civil world, we're, we're heavily ex-military people here. Yeah. Um, and ex-military people are very black and white. So <laughs> I fight with the ex-military people yeah. On doing exactly what I do, and I fight with integrating the civilians into that as well, yeah. and listening to them, because mm. um, I'm a black and white thinker. Yeah, my psychologist, my psychiatrist, <laughs> my missus, yeah. everyone will tell you that. And the the biggest thing I have to do is stop and listen and not talk. Yeah, right. And and that's where I learn the most about people mm. and what they actually need.
1: Yeah, right. That's very deep. <laughs> it's a bit deep. That's all right. Look, I think the the point of culture is, especially you know, in the, in the space that we're talking about, mm. it's critically important because mm. whether it's at a singular field or whether it's as a community online or whether it's a generalistic culture from place to place to place, yeah, um, you know, getting getting that right and understanding what's what's acceptable, what's not acceptable is is really important because I think you know it, it's fantastic having a safe place here, right, for for new players to show up and that sort of thing. But at the same time, you don't want, um, you know, if that culture is not right across the board, you don't want them going from here thinking, "Oh, it's such a great time," and then to go to some other field where perhaps they're not as welcome, right? And and that can create its own issues. Look,
0: I've had people uh, have their first game here, we've suggested they go elsewhere. They go elsewhere and they come back and they go, "Oh, that was terrible!" And I've I've trained the staff here to focus on the positive of that and go. It's okay to be different. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Just because they don't do what we do doesn't mm. make them bad. Yeah. It's just different. Mm. Um, if it doesn't suit you, that's cool. Mm. Play where you want to play. Vote with your wallet, mate. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't have to get on Facebook and tell the world. Yes,
1: yeah. <laughs> exactly what you're talking about there. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah. I um, A lot of people don't know who I am in the real world mm. and they know me as Tractor and whatnot. And when I comment on stuff on Facebook... It, it's so funny. Listen, people will go, "Oh, you don't know what you're talking about." Oh, that that thing does this; it doesn't do that. He's yeah. Just gonna, whatever. Yeah. You've got to let it
1: go. Yeah. It's look. It's taken. I don't know about you, but it's taken me a while to to kind of realize. <laughs> like Jill. Yeah. As much as you want to, you want to be involved. It's also like, eh. yeah.
0: And, and that's why people have asked me to moderate pages and be yeah. admins, and um, there's outside of gel ball there's 10 facebook pages that i'm an admin or a mod or Mm. whatever on and i do not want to get involved in the gel ball industry because it's too close to home
1: yeah and well i mean and even even talking about communities then do you do you tend to see similar patterns absolutely yeah it's everywhere right it's not just
0: yeah it it doesn't matter what the sport or whatever it is i mean i'm in a survivalist group i'm in a sci-fi and fantasy group, I'm in a Dungeons and Dragons group, (laughs) I'm in a, um, yeah, lots of other really diverse, because I I try to diversify my life as much as I can Mm. because I spend so much time on Jell Ball. I try and do everything I can that's different to Jell Ball when I'm not here.
1: Yeah, absolutely, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah,
0: and I, I do try to keep in touch with my old life but not my old military life. Yeah. Um, so I've been a tour guide, I've run a full drive company, I've done, I've managed a coffee plantation in PNG. I still try and keep a finger in those worlds and, mm. and keep, because that stuff still interests me, mm. but, oh, gel ball, my do, Lord.
1: Do you find much of that other stuff folds in? So yeah. a lot of that experience comes back into Absolutely. what we're
0: doing here? Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I, like I think about the leadership training I had yeah. on um, junior and senior courses in the military. Mm. And a lot of the, the stuff I went, oh, that's all fluff or that means nothing. It didn't necessarily mean anything at the time, but I've used that stuff so much yeah. after I got out. Yeah, um, Cert for in training and assessment. I did that at the time. I went, oh, I'm a recruit instructor. I know how to teach lessons. <laughs> uh, next thing I know, I'm teaching other people how to learn the TNA. I'm going,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. It's funny how it comes back later on, isn't it?
0: Uh, another one's algebra. Yeah. I friggin' hated that stuff yep. in high school. Tell you what, man. Then the army made me do it. <laughs> I'm going, oh, wow. Well. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. It's part of the education course yeah, for yeah. seniors. And I'm doing it and I'm going, it just doesn't make sense and da-da-da. And I went and saw the education officer. Mm. She said a couple of things and there was just this click in the back of my head mm. and I could do it. Yeah. And because I never wanted to do it. I, I had this thing in my head that algebra is a waste of time. Mm. She related it to a couple of skills I had in the military about triangulating fire and, I was and say, doing yeah, Ballistics, right. Yeah. yeah. And I went, you that know that what? Makes sense. I can see the application <laughs> for that. I need to know yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. That is, a, it yep. is as important a skill as unloading a magazine. Yeah. And yeah, I, I was motivated to want to learn it and I picked it up easy at, at that point.
1: Mm. Don't ask me to do algebra again now. <laughs> and the uh, D&D stuff, does is that, is that, that tie back into your uh, the recent event that was here with the, the RPG elements?
0: Um, yeah, there are some D&D-ish things that we did there. Yeah. Um, I was very tired of Milsim when I decided to do Flashpoint Mm. um, because there were certain aspects of doing Milsim that I wanted to do differently. Yeah. Um, But the EP was a certain thing and needed to go a certain way. Yeah. um, And it needed to grow and I was holding the EP back in my mind Mm. um, and I wanted to go a different direction rather than trying to turn EP into what I wanted to be. I let EP be what it is. Yeah, And I went off and tried to do a LARP.
1: Yeah, how, how did that go? Because I didn't I didn't get a chance to come down and see it. It was good and bad. Yeah. Um, it it was very fiscally rewarding
0: for Wounded Heroes.
1: Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: Yeah, in that regard, we kicked a massive goal for Wounded
1: Heroes. Mm.
0: And I learned a lot of lessons about what will and won't work in a
1: gel environment. Yeah, cool. It's always been the question in my mind, right? Because I know a lot of people talk, not just for that event, but um, a lot of people talk about LARPing aspects and that sort of stuff. And yep. look, I... I've never been a part of, you know, the, the laughing thing. I've never <laughs> yeah. uh, fully understood it, but I've always wondered in my head. I was like, I just don't understand how it works. You yeah. Know, it's, it, but it's, it's really cool to see you guys try it. It, to me,
0: it is no different to, we dress up yeah. and perform as a character now. Yeah. Yeah. You, you're not being yourself. So you are playing as a character. Yeah. And LARP is no different to that. On we're Look, we're not going to Abbey Medieval Festival <laughs> level LARP, but... We are role-playing in real life. It yeah. is live-action role-playing. Mm-hmm. Um, do I want to do everything that every other LARP does? God, no. Yeah, right. God, no. We, we're never going to have magic and points for this and yeah. and the mechanics that yeah. uh, that a medieval LARP would have. But there are certainly a lot of things that we can bring into simulation mm. with character interaction and... Guys have played Call of Duty, they've played Skyrim, they've played Fallout. There are things in that you go, oh, that'd be awesome if we did that at a game. Mm. And they're they're the things that I want to bring into um, Op Parabellum.
1: Parabellum, huh? Yes, it has a name. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting, Uh, okay.
0: Yeah, Latin's part of my old life, so yeah, prepare for war yeah it's not a john wick thing it's prepare for oh yeah sure 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 we're all thinking john wick (laughs) everyone's got a john wick pistol
1: right now yeah exactly cool all right that's really cool yep all right
0: well it's been awesome having you on board i've got like 30 people out waving at the window saying you're going to come out and have pizza (laughs) um some of them i'll introduce you to because you don't know well but you might recognize the faces so let's go and do some bonding and sounds good networking and stuff so I've been Tractor. This has been the Ops SoftOps, Soft, LARP. Soft, soft, soft. Soft, soft. <laughs> soft hashtag soft something podcast. And uh, we'll play our way out with our old mate uh, Kevin McCowd's Cantina Blues. See you, Trent. See
1: you later.